We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello there with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. It's mailbag day. It's already Wednesday. Is this week going fast or slow for you, Vince? Um, I'd say it's about normal. I bet you it's going okay. fast for you because you're on the precipice of some time off. <laughs> so I bet you sometimes, can't wait. Sometimes faster than others. Hang on just a second here. Yes, we are. And it 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 feels like a Wednesday and yet it doesn't feel like a Wednesday, but like these last couple of weeks of summer are just jam-packed for our family. So it's like yeah. there's a I've had, lot of uh, stuff going on. I had my own dentist appointment Monday. I had my daughter's dentist appointment yesterday. I had a doctor's appointment for myself this afternoon. So it's oh, just geez. kind of been one of those yep. one of those weeks, a little bit of something going on I hear all you. the time. You probably haven't been able to watch any of uh the SEC media days. No. Because you're at school all day. I've been kind of peeking in here and there. Uh okay. Pittman, the Arkansas coach. Quite a quite a sense of humor. That guy's guy. He, he seems like a pretty good coach and okay. pretty funny guy. Some guy got up at the uh SEC media days and asked him if uh he's ever drank a hams beer what? after a game. And and he said he's had he said, oh, you know, I've had a hams from time to time, but I think he said something like it makes me burp <laughs> after after he nice. drinks one. Hams used to be the sponsor. This has like been a few years, like back in, you know, my, you know, growing up in Kansas watching the Royals, they were the, uh, I remember they were like one of the big sponsors of the Kansas City Royals TV broadcast. There was the Hams Beer Bear. I, you, you might be too young to remember yes, that but i am like the bear would be, it was like a cartoon bear in the hams commercial it was i've never even heard of hams beer, beer before so never heard of hams no oh, well you're not much of a beer drinker anyways i don't no, know that i've ever actually had a ham is it regional is it a regional thing or is it nationwide uh couldn't answer that let me let me see where it's brewed let me see if i can do something with the google machine here oh yes the good old google hams. machine I, I I feel like I know a lot of like it's unless you're talking like IPAs and like local stuff like I don't know the that first, kind of stuff. The, it was uh, first brewed in 1865 in Minnesota, wow. the land of sky blue waters, and that was part of the commercial from the land of sky blue waters. That was like the whole the whole 
thing. So that's okay. going to be as far as I'll go with little, the singing. Ham's beer, post, though. Brought up in the War Brewing. <laughs> post Civil War Brewing. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, it's mailbag night, of course. So Sean is a beer snob. I would, I would classify myself as one now because we do. My wife and I. We haven't done as much this summer, but you know we like to bounce around. You know, craft brewery to yeah. You guys do the brewery stuff. Yeah, you definitely do that for sure. Haven't like I said, haven't done nearly as much this year, but um, we like to do it. There's a couple spots I'd like. Well, summer's practically over now. I guess I probably missed the opportunity (laughs) with with training camp and everything. So maybe maybe when I'm on vacation next week, we'll we'll find us one one week away, baby. One week. Yep. All right. Well, let's jump into the mailbag. We've got a few here. Quinn with an interesting one to start us off. Quinn for the win. Using a baseball stat here, assuming Sam Hartman is healthy all year, what do you think his war would be? I'm saying at least two. Well, Quinn said, if you're going off of last year and you're going off of last year's record and they were, what, eight and four? Right? Eight and four in the regular season? Yeah. Do we think that a Sam Hartman-led team is going to lose to Stanford and Marshall? I don't think so. I I just – the offense was stagnant at best in those two games, right? And I have a hard time believing that if Sam Hartman was the quarterback that they lose those two games. So I think it's at least two. I agree with Quinn on this one. It's at least two. Yeah, I think it'd have to be – Right around there, and, and I mean, it's it's hard to sort of, you know, it's it's apples to oranges comparing football to baseball. I'm surprised that in football we haven't seen some kind of war rate, you know, like sure. we have efficiency rating and obviously all that kind of stuff. But I'm surprised that that we haven't seen football come out with some kind of war metric, you know, for for individual players, so we can yeah. get. Maybe the PFF and those guys have, I'm sure they've got something, you know, they obviously rate them, you know, like the, you'll see the position ratings and all that different kind of stuff, but you don't see the, you know, like a war, you know, straight up war rating like this wins above replacement, you know, like what, because the replacement level, I think there's a misconception by some people replacement is not your first string guy to your second string guy. It is the average of what, you know, across the board, right. what the level guy would be, you know, like across the sport, you know. So I would have to think it's going to be in that two ballpark as well. Yeah, two, and I, you could make a case. Half, I mean, you could make a case if we're just strictly talking about last year, right? The offense was pathetic in game one, right? Now, that wasn't all the quarterback. That was also the offensive line. The offensive line was a sieve. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it, right? I mean, they they were not good, and they contributed to the lack of success offensively, right? So, I think we can all agree though that Sam Hartman would have been an upgrade over Tyler Buckner in that game, right? And it the the game was close enough that maybe a touchdown here, a touchdown there, and all of a sudden Notre Dame wins that game. It's possible. I'm not saying it's definite. And then as as Romlock would say, he said Hartman would have beat USC. I think that game becomes a shootout, right? And we all know that mm-hmm. Sam Hartman is 
successful at times and unsuccessful at others, but he can go toe-to-toe in a shootout. He doesn't always come out on top, but he can put points on the board in a shootout. So I think I would say that they had a decent chance of beating Ohio State, and at the very least, they're in the game against USC in a shootout scenario. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply completely agree i think it's a completely different situation because you're going into you know starting with the ohio state game that you're talking about you're you're going into that game with a guy with you know three and a half four years however you, you want to look at it you're going into that game with a much more experienced quarterback if you got sam hartman versus tyler buckner and obviously you've got a competent passer who can get the ball downfield by the time you're playing USC. Right. And that was it, it was what Notre Dame lacked offensively all season was sure. a quarterback with the ability to to one stand in the pocket and be you know be able to face the pressure. Drew Pine did it from time to time, but they had no vertical attack. He, and, right. as we all know, he was locked in on the intermediate stuff yep. with Michael Mayer and was you know, at, at times he was locked in. Other times he was obviously very erratic. And you would not have had, you would not have had the extremes right. with Sam Hartman at quarterback in any of those cases. You would have had a much more consistent quarterback across the right. board. Right. And I and look, Caleb Williams played out of his mind against Notre Dame. Like he he was very, very good in that game. So I'm not saying that Hartman would have matched, you know, that play, right? But I am saying that that USC defense was not good enough to hold down a good quarterback. Right. And so I still think they would have gone back and forth shootout style. I'm not saying Notre Dame wins. I'm not saying USC wins. But I'm saying I think it goes back and forth and might essentially be, you know, the team that has the ball last, you know, that kind of a thing. Because remember, what was the turning point in that USC game? It was that fumble by uh, by Drew Pine, right, where they go down yeah. and score a touchdown. So. 
does Sam Harton fumble the ball there, right? Or does he go down and score a touchdown? So you're be a 14 point swing. So, but you, you know, also expect that even even if Sam Hartman commits a turnover, you expect that he would have led him to the end zone at least one more time, right? If not a couple more times, right? Than what exactly. he did. Exactly. So you know, there's a lot of speculation. I'm I'm speculating an awful lot. It's a lot of shoulda, coulda, wouldas, you know. But for last year's schedule, I almost feel like Sam Hartman's worth three. Yeah. Good point. This year's a little different just because yes, I mean absolutely. it's not it's not a cupcake schedule by any means. But would we would would you be thinking if Drew Pine was going in as the quarterback going into this year, would your thought process be, oh, we're gonna be three and oh in the big three games? We're gonna be two and one in those big three games. If I think Drew Pine was the quarterback. Yeah. No, I mean you're staring there's, there's, right in the face. Right. There's enough uncertainty just having Sam Hartman this year absolutely you know, on, on what you're going to get in those games if drew pine was still here there you know you'd be thinking well best case they win yeah one <laughs> yeah best case i think it and, is you win one and, and you're th- praying that you're you know staying competitive in the other two I think. and those other acc game nc state on the road duke on the road like yeah none of those are gimmies at that point none of them you know yeah. and i'm not saying they're gimmies now but I'm still way more confident going into those games. Now, you know, the, the other side of that, that though is you're hoping that, you know, with a, with a, a you know, again, if, if it's, if it was still pine, you've got a quarterback. Okay. He's got a season under his belt. Now he sure. doesn't have that safety net of Michael Mayer. He's got to see the whole, it just, it still just feels like if, if pine and even Buckner to some extent, we're still the quarterback. Everything's got to be perfect. That's really yes, kind of how agreed. it felt the last few years. Like everything's got to fall just in the right place. Yeah. Whereas now you've got a lot more leeway because of what you have at quarterback. Right. And you're really, you'd have to be, we'd be talking a lot about the defense and what they're going to bring to the table. And can the defense carry this team? If that was the scenario, right? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you this would be, Kind of the story that we've seen in the past, right? The defense has to be elite and the offense has to show up. You know what I mean? And, and that would be just the kind of the same old story. And that would be a very depressing preseason, in my opinion. I mean, we'd be hyping it up. We'd be excited and all of that because it's Notre Dame football. And we love watching Notre Dame football. But at the same time, I don't know if I want to go through another season where, okay, the defense is, you know, pretty darn good. and But if they mess up one time, then the game's over. You know, the offense now gives the defense a lot more room to maneuver as well. So that's good. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, for sure. Let's see. Salty's got a handful of questions in Ooh. here that okay. I like. I want to I want to see which one I want to go with first. Let's just go with this one. I like this one. If Chris Tyree, this is a tough one now. Okay. But I like it. If Chris Tyree succeeds in his new position, to which past Notre Dame player would his performance be most comparable? And now I'm reading this. Are we talking about just as a position switch? We're not necessarily talking about a guy making the move to receiver, right? You know, like like Arnaz Battle, for example, switching from quarterback to receiver. Or, you know, so, like we're talking about just a position switch, I think. You know, like okay. – is that what you're like? How are you? How are you reading this? I guess I'm I'm reading it as if if he has a breakout season, what like how does his stats look? 
you know, compared to maybe somebody else, not necessarily a position switch per se, but like, who's he going to remind you of, or who, who can he be, I guess is the best way to put it. I don't know. Okay. Um, I think that's a little aggressive. I was looking up some stats on, on some people. I think that which pass player would he most perform? Okay. So you're not necessarily talking about the position switch. You're just talking about, yeah, just him in general. Like if, if he, if he is the X fact, I mean, he is an X factor period. Like he, he is an X factor. If he mm-hmm. balls out and he has a, you know, he hits his ceiling as, as a wide receiver, right. Then I think that this offense absolutely is a rocket ship and it just takes off. Can this offense be successful if he doesn't? Yeah, it can because you've got other guys at that position that can also be successful, right? You've got Jaden Thomas, who's going to play some slot. You've got Jaden Greathouse, who's going to play some slot. You know, you've got options at the slot receiver position that if Chris Tyree doesn't hit, you're still okay. But if he does hit, you're you're talking about this offense absolutely taking off, right? And so the first person that came to mind for me uh, was was Chris Brown um, from a stat category, right? So his senior year, he had 48 catches for 597 yards and four touchdowns. I feel like the catches might be a little high, but I would love to see him hit 600 yards. I mean, I... You know what I mean? Like maybe he has to get 48, but 600 yards. I mean, as a receiver, I could see that happening. I mean, that's 45 yards a game in 13 games. I mean, that's doable. Yeah. You know, like D D, uh, Troll Hunter was saying Arnaz battle wasn't the worst comp. Arnaz obviously went from being a quarterback to switching to receiver and his final year in 2002, 58 catches, 786 yards. Now, again, like both of those might be on a little bit on the high side, but at the same time, I can see Chris Tyree having a pretty productive season. You know, the, the, the key is, you know, how much, how much is he going to be targeted? You know, like one of the things that, was the issue in the spring it seemed like was just him and Sam Hartman sort of being on the same page and you know underthrows overthrows and then when the ball was there just some consistency i think that seemed like the thing with with Tyree is just getting used to being a receiver and sort of you know like looking the ball into your hands the basic stuff that yeah. maybe got took for sure. granted before did, did you give Arnez Vattle stats while while i was absent there for a second cuz i found oh did you I, I saw cut. Yeah, I saw kind of a you, yeah. You, so you flash fifty eight catches, seven hundred eighty six yeah. yards. Yeah, that, I gave those. That might be a little high. Like I that's feel what like I was saying that's what I was yeah, saying. That okay. might be okay. a little bit on the gotcha. high side. Yeah, but even you know, like in the forty catch range for yeah. like five hundred ish yards, something I, like that. I kind of the more and more I think about it, the Chris Brown numbers, forty five yards a game. You know, and he had four touchdowns all season. I think that's doable. Forty five yards a game. He he had 46 catches, something along those lines. Like, I think that that's doable. I really do. I'd I'd have to do the math here and figure out what 46 divided by 13 is. That's three and a half catches a game. Yeah. Like, I yeah, absolutely. That that's a doable number for me. 
So I agree. Let's stick with receivers. Who's more impactful this year, Tobias Merriweather or Jaden Greathouse? It better be Tobias Merriweather. Uh, I think, you know, we talked about, you know, for the five guys that need to have a big fall camp and, you know, all that, right? It had, I mean, I had Merriweather on my list and I think he needs to be that alpha. Now, I talked about this a little bit with Brian yesterday when we were talking about the running backs. We kind of talked about the offense a little bit. And when I talked about yours in my conversation about Tobias Merriweather, and I was talking about him taking over as the alpha wide receiver and all of that, he's like, well, yeah. He goes, I could see Jaden Thomas leading the team in receptions, but Tobias Merriweather leading the team in yards and touchdowns. Exactly. Exactly. Which absolutely I could see that. See, Greathouse and Merriweather are two completely different receivers. Great House is the underneath guy. He's the shake and bake guy. He, you know, he's that guy. Merriweather's the one that's going to go over the top and stretch the field. Those are completely different dudes. And when you talk about impactful, Notre Dame needs that guy that's going to stretch the field, go deep, you know, because they've got a guy who likes to throw deep. I think it's Merriweather on this one. Well, yeah. And again, technically, Thomas, Tyree, and Great House all start off at the same position. They're that exactly. Slot guy now again especially thomas and great house have more position flexibility where they can play you know like they can line them up outside as well and i think you can with tyree as well but but merriweather is still going to be predominantly on the outside you know and just just exactly what you're talking you know so and you're also talking about now a sophomore in the system merriweather a guy who's been around and who was already showing inklings of things, you just you can't fall too in love with what you saw in the spring game. We've all fallen victim to that before. And this is still a freshman, as great as that looked in the spring. Right. I think we talked about the last time we talked about this. Tobias Merriweather didn't have the advantage of having Sam Hartman throwing him the ball in the spring game. Jaden Greathouse did. You know, so don't right. yeah, that's that's part of what happens in a spring game. You split the team in two. And right. so, you know, it's not going to be completely even. I So I completely agree with what you're talking about. I, I still think it's going to be Tobias. We still have to find out to what extent Great House, yeah. and either of the other two freshmen, is even going to contribute this year. Based on what Marcus Freeman said in the spring, they all have a chance at contributing. But I'm, I'm still not going to go too far until I see it you know, that, that right. a freshman is, is going to be that impactful here because well, it, you know, it, it yeah. took a while last year. Now we're removing, you know, there's no more Tommy Reese, you know, so sure. now it's, it's a different offensive coordinator, and, you know, diff, th- th- there's a lot of differences now, but I'm still not going to sort of fall prey into making predictions about a freshman until we see some evidence yeah. that, that there's going to be more willingness to get them on the field. Well, and the depth chart has a lot to do with it. Right. I mean, Rico Flores, in my opinion, has a better chance of getting on the field earlier than Jaden Greathouse just because of what the depth chart looks like. Rico Flores could be in the two deep. Jaden Greathouse is third at his position right now. And so are you putting him ahead of Chris Tyree? Are you putting him ahead of Jaden Greathouse? I mean, uh, uh, Thomas? No, not right now. Not as a true freshman. I'm not. Maybe that happens eventually. Maybe there's a package for him, you know, all of those different things. But right now he's third on the depth chart. So, you know, 
I'm not, and I'm not discounting his talent and what he's able to do, you know, all of those different things. I'm just saying the reality is from a depth chart standpoint, he's further away from the field than Rico Flores, for example. Yeah, Marcel was saying, you know, we're talking about Drew Pine and doesn't get a chance at Caleb Williams this season if he's the starter at ASU or do they not play each other? We obviously weren't talking about, you know, at Arizona State. And they actually do play each other September 23rd, same day as Notre Dame and Ohio State. So they will play each other. So, you know, he'll potentially get a chance. He's got to win the job out there. I mean, it's looking like he's probably got the job. Got a really talented freshman that's going to be breathing down his neck. I think, but um, at least going into the season, it seems like he's going to be the starter. So you should get to see it. So yeah. we'll see what it, I, we were just talking about. Obviously, it wasn't going to happen here in Notre Dame. <laughs> okay. Romluck, if you had no other choice and you got arrested for strangling an Ohio State fan at the game, which IB staffer? would be the first to bail you out, which would be the last. Wow. Well, I'm going to go – I'm going to play this easy. I'm going to say if it was me in jail, okay, Sean Styers would be the first to bail me out because our friendship goes back further. Right. (laughs) I would say the least likely to bail me out would be Ryan because he lives in New Jersey and he's not going to be there. Good call. I don't think, unless he comes in for town in the town. So yeah. that'll be my safe answer right there. I like that. <laughs> as much as I want to say you would bail me out, the question would be, would your wife let you bail me out? Would she <laughs> as long as you're paying me back, I'll bail you out in a okay. hot second. We go, okay. We're good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I'll go with you. And I, I guess I'll <laughs> I'll just go with your same answer. I'll go. I'll go. Ryan would be <laughs> the last because of location. It's all yeah. location, right? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And I and and honestly, I've known Ryan the least amount of time, and so he would probably be at the bottom of the list anyway. So I love Ryan to death, but uh, I don't know. We haven't had that conversation about you know bail and fights and you know things like that. We just our relationship hasn't gotten to that level, right? <laughs> that's true too land like ryan might be yes forget those guys like yeah, you know, exactly. even if he was in town it's like what right. do i owe them you know? exactly shy <laughs> town wants to know if notre dame wins a national championship this season which players do you see leaving early either for the draft or the portal how bullish would you be notre dame could repeat man so if they win a national championship which players do you see leaving early well the first one well okay both tackles are going to leave. Audric Estime is out the door. Yeah. I think Chris Tyree would be out the door because he still has a year of eligibility left, so he would be early. True. Uh, Cam Hart, uh, well, does he, he doesn't have any more eligibility. I think left, this right? is it for Hart. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, let's see, who else? I think, I think JD and Jack probably would leave, and I know they've got eligibility left on the table. Same with Marist. I think if they're all starting – and they win a national championship, where do you go from here, right? I could see all of them taking off. Who else? Really, there aren't a whole lot of other guys who Zeke. would be eligible. Zeke is eligible yeah. to go, and he has another year of eligibility. Right. So he could go. 
you could have a whole new starting lineup at uh well not a whole new one i'm sorry because you've got you, you would still have if andrew christophic wins the battle and we talked about this when we were doing o-line you could have four guys from that starting lineup bail after this year and only have one returner which would be yeah. interesting yeah the problem with the repeating is you're losing all those guys plus sam hartman right as well Exactly. So I can't think it, of anybody else on top yeah. of who you mentioned that would probably leave because fortunately most of the you know the run the rest of the running backs are all young enough you would expect them to right. come back. Transfers, man, it's just like who knows. I can't you can't predict that because nope. everything is gonna come down to playing time, really, when it's all said and done. Who thinks they've got the best chance to stick around and play? I think. And right. That's like if you lose all those linemen, all the other linemen are going to have a chance to, you know, to jump in to the starting lineup next year. So I think it's, I, I just think it's too tough to, to be predicting the transfer type stuff. Yeah, it, it really, again, it just depends on, you know, from a transfer portal situation. This is how I would look at it personally. If all of those guys leave, all those guys that we mentioned leave, there's a ton of open spots. And so why would you leave a defending national champion? when you've got all these opportunities to play the next year. I I would not, if all those guys did leave, though, I would not be bullish in them winning another title. No. They're going to need some of those guys to come back in order to defend uh, and, and win a title in 24. You, yeah, I mean, you it would be all those guys. It would be pretty similar to, to the season LSU had. And then, you know, they followed that up. You know they went they went from national championship to the outhouse yeah. pretty quickly because they and lost hate, yeah yeah yep. and they were all high end guys that they lost to the NFL I mean you know Joe Burrow exactly. at the top of the draft and yeah else. I would hate for that to be the case and I don't look the NFL draft is what have you done for me lately and if Notre Dame goes out and has the offensive explosion that we think is possible if the defense comes around in year two you know all of those different things happen <clears throat> there would be some flavor of the flavor of the day guys that would leave because they would get high draft analysis and they would leave. And frankly, Marcus Freeman and their position coaches would tell them, look, your stock will never be higher. You know, your stock right. will never be higher. Just like with the Georgia defensive crew, didn't they get like nine out of the 11 guys drafted off of their defense after the national championship, something crazy something like that. Like, yeah. Like your, your stock will never be higher. Take the money and go. You know, you can always come back and get your degree. You can always come back. Yep. Matt Carter, what two players are you most excited to watch this season? Well, are we allowed to say Sam Hartman? Because that's obviously the <laughs> I almost one. feel like you have to, like, besides yeah, that's what I thought. Sam Hartman, you know, yeah. I guess you yep. can say Sam Hartman. We're all excited to see him. I think we can just, he's like the Aston answered. Like, he's our answer. Yes. Okay. Then for me, and again, this is not, I'll take one from each side of the ball. And I could make a case for about five guys on each side of the ball, by the way. But who am I going to be watching just naturally? Tobias Merriweather, Xavier Watts. Those are the two guys that, because okay. I, I love Xavier Watts. I love watching him run around the field. And how do you miss Tobias Merriweather just going up and just mossing people at practice? You know what I mean? So, like, those are the two guys that I'll Especially be when you've got a guy like Hartman throwing him the football. Right. That's very excited. To All see I that. want for next Wednesday is a deep ball to Tobias one time. One time. I'll just I'll go with a couple of different guys and I'll go one on each side of the ball as well. I'll go Chris Tyree, okay. who as I've 
said many, many times, it has been, you know, was last year the most underutilized offensive, potentially the most underutilized player on the whole team. I want to, I, I'm, I'm excited to see him as a true offensive weapon that I think he can be. And especially as a compliment, when you do have someone like Tobias Merriweather and, you know, some of these other guys, you know, Jaden Thomas, whoever it happens to be, who can stretch it a little bit, getting downfield, you know, with some of the verticals, I think that that can leave a lot of space for a guy like Chris Tyree to operate in. So I'm excited to see that. I think it could be sort of a, you know, like the, the, the human joystick out there kind of guy who can uh, really make some electric plays with a ball in his hands. And I'll go Jordan Botello. Like he's, he's a guy who I'm going to be keeping my eye on, especially early on. This is a guy with so much talent who still hasn't put it all together yet, but look at it at some of Brian's Intel. It sounds like he's turned a corner in terms of the gray matter between the ears. So I'm, I'm excited to see that and, and hoping that all of that has come together because I think that he can just be a wrecking crew type of guy. And they, and they need that, obviously, you know, that hit that kind of presence up front and that pass rush, that's going to be one of the bigger questions I think is just exactly where that pass rush is coming from. And he's the kind of guy who can give it to him. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Mr. 2.0, over under 10 interceptions for Sam Hartman this year. And I think that is the number. That's the number. Yeah, that is absolutely the number. So you could set it at nine and a half. You could set it at 10 and a half. I think that if he is in single digits, I like where this team is at. Even if he's at 10, I'm okay. If it gets to be more than that, then I have a bigger issue. And somebody, I, I think it was Mr. 2.0, like defending his question, which he shouldn't have to do. But he, he had like 16 interceptions and like 12 interceptions or something along the lines in the last couple of years. He, he threw the ball way more the last couple of years than he's ever going to have to throw the ball at Notre Dame. He so, had to. And he was the, yeah, sacked a lot more than right. he's going to be sacked at Notre Dame as well. Correct. And so he had to take more chances. More, you know, more pressures. Yeah. Right. He had to take way more chances at Wake Forest than he's going to have to take at Notre Dame. Now, he's going to take some deep shots, and he's going to try to squeeze the ball in, and he's going to do some things that are are going to cause him to, to turn the ball over. Every quarterback is. There, there's not that many quarterbacks that are going to go through the whole season with no interceptions. But I do not think the number is going to be super high because I don't think the opportunity – for them to be that high is going to be there. Yeah. The running game that he's got, the much better offensive line that he's got. Right. 
And one, you know, the, the biggest thing that I think my biggest takeaway on him coming out of the spring game is it just seems like when the lights go on, Sam Hartman is ready to play. And you saw him make quick decisions and good decisions in yeah. the blue goal. You know, and again, things are split up and everything else. But, the, you know, again, that's my biggest takeaway is a guy who knows how to process quickly, knows how to get the ball where it needs to be. And remember, that was a bad weather day as well. That was not good right. weather. And he had good ball placement throughout the day. Made good decisions throughout Absolutely. the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Jason wants to know, who are the players in New York for the Heisman ceremony in December? Caleb Williams, Drake May, Sam Hartman, and question mark. Because there's always a guy that comes out of nowhere and ends up going to New York. It happens almost every year. So I think there'll be four. I think it'll be those three quarterbacks and then just some random, maybe it's a quarterback, maybe it's a running back, whatever. I think there'll be that fourth just rando out there. So that's that's what I'll say. Yeah, it, I, I like your top three there. And, you know, like, would the Pac-12 get two quarterbacks out of the deal? Caleb Williams is going to be under a lot more scrutiny because he's sure. the reigning. I don't think he wins. Winner. I think he could, I think I think he he could, could go. There. Yeah, yeah, I think he could go. The only thing that would prevent him from going is if he splits. Because remember, the Heisman voting is very regional, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way he doesn't go is if another Pac-12 guy like Michael right. Penix or That's whatever. What Penix or Bo Nix would be right, my if they start splitting team. votes, yeah. right? And then none of them have enough to go, right? I think that's definitely a possibility. There was nobody like that out West that was going to take votes away from Caleb, Caleb Williams last year. It's none. And so he's not going to win it. There's no way he's going to, if Tim Tebow never won two, I'm sorry. There's no way Caleb Williams wins two, right? They, they're just not going to do it. So there's only one, there's only one two time right. winner. And right. we're what 50 years. It's never going to happen again. I'm Archie sorry. That, it's yeah. never going to happen again. So if he goes, he's not going to win, right? I I just think that that's going to be the case. Adam wants to know, how much power does the new athletic director have? Will he be able to make effective changes to football operations, or will Notre Dame still be held back by Reverend Jenkins? Do we really think that Reverend Jenkins really has his hand in the day-to-day -day football operations at Notre Dame? I, I just don't. Um, now, does he have a hand in how much money they're spending? Right. Sure. But the, the term football he, operations, I, making, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's making day-to-day -day football operations right. decisions. Right. And I don't think Jack Swarbrick is either, to be honest with you. Like, right. he oversees. But like you said, but, all the monetary decisions have to go right. to the top. So if That's we're talking about money, if we're talking about money, it's going to be the exact same situation that Jack Swarbrick had. Reverend Jenkins is not changing the way he operates and he's not going to change the way Notre Dame operates, right? It doesn't matter that there's a new athletic director. And frankly, the new athletic director is going to have less power than Jack Swarbrick has right now because he's brand new. You know, he's going to have to work to earn that trust and that, you know, all of that, right? So I don't think that Jack Swarbrick has a whole lot to do with the football operations. Okay. Now, do we think that they're going to, you know, update the Goog and do some other renovation type stuff? I think that's going to happen regardless. I, I do. And I, I would be surprised if that didn't get announced before Jack even walked out the door. 
to be honest. I think he wants to have his fingerprint on that a little bit. So what are you talking about? Like the uh, renovations of the Goog. Renovation. I, think that, okay. I think that'll get announced before Jack officially leaves. We'll see. You know, it's it's a long time coming and it's something that's kind of popped up a little bit more here and there. But, you know, even even that that's that's not even as much about Father Jenkins making that call. It's it's about being, you know, going out and fundraising and having the money in hand and also knowing, you know, as we've talked about before, where are you going to build it? What's it going to look like? You know, all that different kind of stuff. But sure, you're right. You know, there's still a little bit less than a year to go now. But I would think that that those major things that Jack Swarbrick is going to, you know, kind of want to leave his fingerprints on as much as possible before he does leave. I agree with that. And Adam follows up. He says, I don't think that Reverend Jenkins wants football to be Notre Dame's identity. And he may not, but he's also not an idiot. He knows where. You know, he's not going to bite the hand that feeds him either because Notre Dame football brings in a heck of a lot of money. And so whether it's the TV deal, whether it's tickets, whether, you know, tick, 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 they bring in a ton of money and they bring in a ton of recognition. And so he may not, in his quiet moments, may not want Notre Dame football to be the identity at Notre Dame, but he also knows that it is. And that's just the way it is. And you kind of have to get on board with that. Salty, which of Notre Dame's coaches is at greatest risk of being poached by another college and which by the NFL in the offseason if Notre Dame makes the college football playoff? So, Oh, man. That list is long. Um, I mean, they came after half half the coaches this past season and they didn't even make the playoff. Marcus Freeman said that every one of his coaches was approached for another job. At some yeah. point or another, whether it be the NFL, whether it be another college, whatever the case may be, he said every single one of the assistant coaches were approached. Take that for whatever you want to take it for. But which is the most at the greatest risk? I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about this a bunch, right? McCullough wants to be a head coach. If a group of five team approaches him, if it's the right fit, I think he goes, right? I think there's a possibility that Chancey Stuckey could go. Uh, you know, if, the, if these wide receivers have a good a year as we think they could have, I, I think that his stock will be extremely high, mm-hmm. extremely high. Mike Mickens, Mike, uh, Mike Mickens, Mike yeah. Mickens is always the first one that comes to mind. And, you sure. know, and again, if, if they're, you know, if they're in the playoff, Al Golden is right. going to, going to have some interest probably, you know, in be you know, going back and either, being a defensive coordinator in the NFL or, or right. being a head coach again. Right. Place. So I don't, you know, he wants to know who the most at the most risk, I would say McCullough. And I would say for college and I would say golden for the NFL. Yeah. And, and I mean, I would also throw O'Leary in there based on, you know, because like there was NFL interest apparently in him, this past offseason. And again, the biggest knock on O'Leary is the recruiting side. You don't have to worry about that in the NFL and what we've seen from sure. him as a developmental guy. You know, there's no problem with that. It's just right, right. Gotta continue to continue to, here. you know, <laughs> to up it. You know, he's he, you know, we you know, we said something what a couple months ago, and he had a couple hits in terms of sure of the safety position in terms of recruiting, but it's still 
good developmental guy, and I think that there'll be some interest in him as well. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. I, of all those guys, though, I would want to keep Mickens the most. I, I would, as as Romlock said, I would approach him with a blank check, man. Like, what do we got to do? Well, yeah, and that's like if if Al Golden, you know, were to to get that promotion and and go someplace else, it makes perfect sense that Mike Mickens, I think. Yeah, I agree. You know, would, would be the natural candidate to take over that defense. I assume that that's what he wants in his career path, and I assume that at this point he would be able to handle a promotion like that. Uh, I mean, I don't know for sure, obviously, but he is extremely valuable to this team. Extremely valuable. Marcus Mar- Marcus Freeman, I, th- I think he's got a pretty good idea right now. Absolutely. Um, you know, they've been together long enough, and, you know, like he – he went back, and I, that, that was something that I heard Marcus Freeman talking about last week on one of the shows that he was on about how Sauce Gardner, the the cornerback, you know, who's now with the New York Jets and ended up being a high draft pick this past spring, when when he and Mickens were at Cincinnati together, Freeman was saying that it was Mickens who was pounding the table for Sauce Gardner and ended up getting him in there. Yeah. You know, so like just the eye that he's got and obviously, you know, again, like the developmental side, you know, like to take, to take a freshman like Ben Morrison last year and, and what, you know, it's, it's starts with a level of talent, obviously, but it, but it also takes the coach being able to help getting there. Uh, so like he makes perfect sense. Yeah, no doubt. Back to the assistant coaches, which do you think has the most to prove this season? I think, uh, well, it's the combination of the two owls, right? It's it's Washington and Golden, and I, and and a lot of that is coming from the fans, right? But I think year two of Golden's defense, I think we're going to learn a lot about where they are with things. And I think that you know the intel that we've gotten, I, I like where things are are headed with the defensive line and with the coaching and the buy in and all of that. But you know. I think that in order to assist with the recruiting at the defensive line, that they need to have a big season. I think the defense, I think the defensive line underachieved last year. I don't, I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say that I think they underachieved. And so they need to achieve number one. And I think that they need to put together a really good season so that recruiting is also better at the defensive line. So I could make a case for either Al on this one, Al Golden or Al Washington, but those are the two guys I would pick. Yeah, I think it's Washington. You know, I I laid out a statistical analysis at Irish Breakdown in a story last week. You know, are there some places where Notre Dame needs to be better? Yes, specifically in the red zone and with third down defense. But, you know, again, if you read the article – those are not two those those two areas are not necessarily indicative of overall team success. Like you can be really good in those two departments and still be not that great as a team. And you can be really poor in those two departments and still make the playoff. Like Ohio State was just a little bit better than Notre Dame from a red zone defensive standpoint, and they made the college football playoff last year. Rushing defense, they weren't that far off. They were like, what, number 35 or something like that. It was just they they weren't consistent enough. They had a penchant for giving up, you know, some crucial big runs. They weren't necessarily run all over. They would just sure. give up the crucial run, you know, like that fourth quarter run by 
Marshall, you know, that with the, like the 42 yard run that, you know, it was kind of a backbreaker. So I, I think that it is Al Washington, but, you know, at the same time, some of those vet, you know, like there was, there was a transition last year, both with the head coach and a defensive coordinator, third defensive coordinator in as many seasons. And also you got a new defensive line coach. So you, you, you know, you had a, a different philosophy than a guy who'd been around for what, what, 10, 11 years or wherever, you know, whatever it was before that. And you, you know, you had some veterans. Did you have complete buy-in, you know, with, with the way that things were being done with some of these veterans they're gone and you do have some younger guys. I, Washington, I think definitely, I, I think he has more to prove than golden. They both have a lot to prove, but I think Washington has more than golden because he's got to show, you know, like we were talking about O'Leary, O'Leary has shown that he can develop the guys, still needs to pick up the recruiting. Washington has got to pick up with both. Yeah. And it starts with the player development. You know, like he's got to show that he can get those guys out there and play every Saturday consistently. So I think it's him a little bit okay. more golden for me. I like it. 